following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Welcome to The Leftovers, brought to you by the Underdog Sports Network, with Josh Dunn, Anshu Khanna, and Dan Bauer. Hello and welcome to The Leftovers. It is Friday, November 16th. I'm Josh Dunn. I am joined by Dan Bauer. Dan, we just watched Anshu's Green Bay Packers lose a very tough one. In Seattle, I'm sure he's not feeling great right now. Uh, my condolences to Anshu, and uh, hopefully the Green Bay Packers can rebound after that one. But how are you feeling? I am feeling well, Josh. I am good week, excited, and uh, the exact opposite of Anshu. I get to look forward to not watching the Browns lose this weekend, uh, so that's positive. Yeah, well, what did you think about this game, though? I know your Browns are on a bye, so uh, Rodgers looked really good, but it seemed like on third downs in key positions – you know, there weren't the best decisions that were made. His offensive line didn't give him a lot of time on third downs, and, and they couldn't capitalize on a lot of opportunities. I mean, they really could have put this game away. I, they had an opportunity right from the jump as Chris Carson fumbles on the first play of the game. They recover it. They go down and score. They they score two touchdowns real quick, and then they just can't they can't pull away, and they let the, the Seahawks stay in it and ultimately win this one. Yeah, I mean, even Superman has an off night. This was one of those games that you just kept waiting for that patented Aaron Rodgers come back that okay when's the moment coming when is he just gonna start tearing this thing up uh, you know he they built up a nice lead in the first half but that the towards the end of the game you are waiting to, to just see him be Superman like he always is and that moment never came you mentioned it a lot of underthrows a lot of missed throws uh, not quite he made some nice runs throughout this game, but other times he looked like he had his feet in the mud in the pocket. It was it was a very odd game. Uh, you know, stat line doesn't look uh, terrible. I mean, it looks pretty decent, but it's one of those games that the stats look better than what he actually looked like when you were watching it. Yeah, I mean, he was pretty efficient passing the ball, but th- there were a couple things I noticed from Aaron Rodgers today. First of all, he didn't have time. You know, the line wasn't blocking, and especially in key points, he was sacked five times in this game. But the other thing was that I noticed is he really – just kind of zeroed in on Devontae Adams. And obviously, Devontae Adams is their best receiver, but he has 10 catches and pretty much hogged up the targets. I mean, he had 12 out of Rodgers' 29 throws, and there was just no real variety other than him and Aaron Jones in this game. I mean, he didn't even – Jimmy Jimmy Graham did, did go down with an injury, but he didn't really look at any of the other receivers other than a couple of throws here or there. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very opposite of a lot of this season. You saw him spread the ball out. Uh, to, you know, especially guys like Valdez Scantling that had some couple decent great uh, games, Sacramento St. Brown, uh, a couple ones in there. Uh, you mentioned Jones when you were just doing that uh, a little rundown there. So, yeah, it was, it was a very odd game where Aaron Rodgers has spent most of the year pretty evenly distributing the ball, uh, and, and this game he really didn't. So uh, you mentioned it, 10 catches, 166 yards for, for Adams. He had t- two more targets on top of that. Uh, but when you combine for the rest of it, let's see, 11, 12, uh, only 17 targets for every other receiver. So, yeah, I mean, he, he definitely zeroed in on Adams. 
Yeah, and uh, you know you want to do that with your number one receiver, but you also want him to spread the ball around when you have the best quarterback in the league. And and I will say that part of it was the receivers not getting separation. I was watching, you know, Valdez Scantling and St. Brown, and they they did have trouble getting separation. The Seahawks did a good job of you know, making them work to get open and, and not really allowing them to get open in this game. So credit to them. Uh, but the thing that Seattle did, and they, they, they kind of made Green Bay look a little suspect, was in the run game. And this is Seattle. They're the number one rushing team in the league. Chris Carson appears to be healthy again. Uh, but really, they do it by committee. Rashad Penny's getting more touches. Mike Davis is still in the fold. He's the one that ended up icing the game at the end. But they finished with 173 yards on the ground. And, you know, this Seattle team now is back in the fold and back in the playoff picture at 5-5. Five and five. Uh, Which one of you, these two teams do you think is more likely to be in the playoffs when, we, when we're talking about that in a few weeks here? I still think it's the Packers. I know the Seahawks come out on top of this one. Uh, but it, it just... To me, I just can't imagine. This The Green Bay team is too good. Uh, they're too talented, even though it didn't really show tonight, uh, to, to not make the playoffs. So, you know, I think it's I think it's still going to end up being Green Bay at the end. Uh, it's it's a tough road back. You know, Chicago's 6-3 and three for them. But uh, if you're Seattle, you're fighting for a playoff spot. where they, Seattle's got no chance that they can win the division, and they're going to have to fight for a playoff spot. The Rams obviously run away with that one. Green Bay is just a couple games away from being right back in the division lead. So I think Green Bay's got a much easier road. Uh, we talked about it on the last show that Green Bay has is now through the toughest part of their schedule. Uh, so they should have some wins coming up uh, in some divisional games that they can basically, they can gain some ground as well. So uh, I think Green Bay still does it, like I said, easier route to the playoffs. They can still win their division. Uh, but everything else after that is just such a toss-up. I mean, a wild-card picture right now. You have Dallas, Billy at four and five. You have Minnesota at five and three. Green Bay four, five and one. Carolina at six and three. Atlanta at four and five. Seattle at five and five. I mean that those wild card spots are going to be just so unbelievably difficult to get. Yeah, and you mentioned it's going to be an easier road for the Packers, and the road's really been the problem for them this year. They're 0-5 now away from home, and that is not a good sign for a team that wants to make the playoffs. So they're now 4-5-1, and but 0-5 when they're away from Lambeau Field. Uh, they're going to have to win some road games if they're going to be in the playoff picture like you predict. So we'll see. Uh, obviously, pulling for Shoes' team, I know he's uh, you know hurting after this loss, and we felt plenty of those from our own teams. But uh, let's let's get to the Sunday slate. Uh, we've got some big games here this weekend. The playoff picture is starting to, to kind of show itself to us. We're going to start with the early games, and I'm just going to run through them, and then we'll touch on a few of the big ones. But Cowboys will go on the road to take on the Falcons. This is very similar to that Packers-Seahawks game. Both teams in that one are 4-5. and five. Atlanta's actually favored against the Cowboys. The Lions are going to host the Panthers. Uh, Panthers are road favorites in that one. Uh, the Colts will host the Titans. This is a game that's in the division and in a big one. The Colts have a three-game winning streak right now. They're favored at home by a point and a half, but the Titans are coming off that big win against uh, the New England Patriots, so we'll see if they can continue on with their run and try to improve to 6-4. and four. The Buccaneers will go on the road to take on the Giants. These are two teams that, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if these two teams, what really changes in the offseason. Eli Manning, there's a lot of talk that he may retire. The Buccaneers, we don't know what's going to happen with Jameis Winston in the offseason. Obviously, the, the reins have been turned over to Ryan Fitzpatrick here a couple times this year. And then uh, the Texans will take on the Redskins in D.C. Both teams there are 6-3. and three. And then the Steelers, Jaguars, and Bengals at the Ravens. Uh, so there's some big games here. As you look at the early slate, Dan, 
touch on a couple here, but uh, what's the most the one you're most looking forward to here at the 12 o'clock slate or the one o'clock slate on the East Coast? Yeah, Redskins Texans for me. This is a game that we're really gonna see just if this Redskins team really is playoff caliber. Uh, this Texan te- Texans team is so unbelievably hot. Uh, and going in and, and being able to, to take on a Redskins team on the road, uh, you know they uh, they're coming Texans coming off a bye. They ran they won six straight before that, uh, and then Washington really needing to uh, to prove exactly who they are. I mean the, their last couple of games are are kind of all over the place. Yeah, the, you know they beat the Bucks, but then uh, they lose big to the Falcons. Uh, before that and uh, we'll see just what Washington is really made of out of, out of this one so um, this is the one I'm really looking for uh, can Adrian Peterson say, say hot uh, Jordan Reed as well um, and and can Alex Smith continue to do a very good job of not turning the ball over so uh, if they do they, they have a chance to win I mean they got this game at home but that is going to be a really fun one uh, in terms of uh, you know it feels like every week we talk about the Falcons needing to get a win or, or a put-up-or-shut-up game, but I think this one's really it. So, they, as you mentioned, they're taking on the Cowboys, uh, Atlanta at home, three-and-a-half-point favorites. And if Lan- we, we mentioned just how crazy that playoff picture is going to be. Uh, whoever loses this one, I'm calling them officially out of, of any chance of competing in a wild card. So, um, Falcons-Cowboys, I'm definitely looking forward to. Uh, this Falcons team just cannot decide who they are. Obviously, lose last weekend uh, to, to my Browns. Uh, beat, beat up on the Redskins week before that, barely beat the Giants three weeks ago, barely beat the Bucks uh, on that big comeback, and trounced by the Steelers. So this Falcons team uh, just all over the place. So really put up or shut up on that one. Yeah, you mentioned the Redskins. I, I think they're an interesting team right now, and they're they're really getting no respect from the lines makers in, in uh, Las Vegas. I mean, they were, they were road uh, underdogs a week ago in Tampa Bay. They end up Beating Tampa Bay 16 to three, only giving up three points to Fitz Magic, who's been, you know, an offensive juggernaut this year in a lot of his games. And now they're home underdogs to the Houston Texans. Uh, this Redskins team just not really getting the respect I think they deserve. I think the defense is a lot better than people give them credit for. Uh, they're getting healthier. Chris Thompson's close to coming back. They don't know if he'll be back for sure this week, but it looks like there's a chance. Jamison Crowder could also come back. He's their elite uh, slot receiver that, you know, has been very productive when healthy. Uh, but I think this Redskins team, it, you know, like you said, Alex Smith, he's he's a guy who doesn't really turn the ball over a lot. He, he's been known as a game manager throughout his career, but, you know, he, he we, we forget so quickly how successful he was in a few of those seasons he had with the Chiefs. Obviously, he never won the big playoff game, but I think the Texans are due for a loss and I don't think the Texans are as good as their record has been especially of late as they've won six in a row uh, I think that the Redskins have an opportunity here to prove that they belong and I think they could really win this one the other one I think that uh, you know is it's it's not worth putting past uh, to win a game at home that is also a home underdog is like the Jaguars against the Steelers I think the Steelers are finally uh, going to kind of come back down to earth. They've been on a tear just like the Texans have. And obviously the Steelers are great. You know, they have, an, they have a great offense. And obviously we don't like them. So I hope that my bias isn't shining through here. But I, I think the Jaguars, I mean, they've lost so many games that they should have won. Just thinking back to this past weekend, they lose to Indianapolis on the road. But they, they lose in a game that they were literally driving down the field to win. And they had a fumble on a play that, you know, really the call could have gone either way. It, it definitely was a fumble. But it was Rashad Green Sr. who fumbled 
fumbles the ball as they're driving down to, to take the lead and, and probably win that game against Indianapolis. I think this Jaguars team is a lot better than their 3-6 and six record, and I think they have an opportunity to beat the Steelers in this one. As uh, we think about last year when they played the Steelers and they just put a whooping on them in that game in the playoffs where it was a, a very high-scoring game. I don't think this is going to be that same high-scoring game. I think this is going to come down to defense and who plays better defense in this one. Uh, but we'll see if Bortles can kind of right the ship there for Jacksonville. Um, the other one I really wanted to, to, to kind of see what happens with is this uh, Titans-Colts game. I know I mentioned it as I was going through the games in the early onset of the show, but I think the Titans have an opportunity here to kind of prove that they're a contender. Marcus Mariota has been playing a lot better football. They've done a good job of uh, distributing the ball in the run game. They've got Deion Lewis kind of working well now. Derrick Henry had his best game of the year a week ago against New England. I think that this is an opportunity for the Titans to go on the road against the hot Colts team and really prove that they belong. And their defense has been what's kept them in contention and really kept them in a lot of games. And, and in this, this past uh, New England game really showed that they're a contender and, and that they do belong. But I think this is an opportunity to really put them in that conversation. Uh, anything else in the early games? I, I you know, Bengals Ravens is a big one. Obviously, you know, obviously I, I'm pulling for the Bengals in this one. The Ravens, the, the interesting situation with that one, Dan, is what's going to be happening at the quarterback position. Joe Flacco, he's dealing with that hip injury. We don't know how severe it is, but he was on crutches during the bye. But now Lamar Jackson is also out of, out of practice the last couple of days with what they're saying is a stomach issue. So we could be looking at RG3 as the starting quarterback for the Ravens. And I just can't see RG3 leading a team to victory at this point in his career. Yeah, I, as someone who watched RG3 tried to lead a team to victory all too often uh, in one fleeting season here in Cleveland, uh, it's not good if that's who actually has to play. But a stomach issue, I can't imagine, uh, is going to keep Lamar Jackson out all the way to Sunday. I mean, that would have to be a crazy stomach issue if, if he's got like a, a week-long flu or whatever. You know, We're assuming that's probably what it is, but uh, who knows, and... You know, this is a game that if you're the Ravens, you have to win. You know, with the Steelers being six three and one, the Bengals are five and four. If all of a sudden the Bengals go to six and four, uh, this is a game that that will essentially end your season if you're the Ravens. So uh, they have to go out and do it. So I would expect that unless Joe Flacco's leg is falling off, he's going to play. Uh, and if not, they'll play Lamar Jackson. I, just, I can't fathom RG three actually takes a snap in this game. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. It's it's going to be interesting uh, to see what, what what Flacco, if he's able to get out there. I know Harbaugh came out and said he doesn't need to practice to play necessarily, and he's been practicing for all the years of his career. I don't know exactly how many years it was, but it, I think that's the difference in this game. I think that it's interesting with Marvin Lewis now being the play caller on defense. He's calling signals. You know, he, he did that for the Ravens at one point. He's familiar with a lot of the personnel that they have. Obviously, they already beat them to start the season on Thursday night um, but we need a win if, if you're the Bengals uh, they, they absolutely have to win this game if they don't their season could very well fall apart very quickly here they'll play uh, Denver and Cleveland here coming up and those are two winnable games no offense uh, but if they lose this game to the Ravens I think the season changes very very quickly and you're going to start hearing Marvin Lewis's name on that hot seat very soon if that's the case he seems to keep surviving that hot seat so don't count your chickens and uh, you know I don't know if you want Hugh Jackson taking over over there but good luck if he does well, I know I want Marvin Lewis fired. I'm sick of the complacency. I'm sick of watching this team be mediocre. Would, and would you rather, I just, at this point, want a new coach. That's all. Honestly, would you would you rather have Hugh Jackson leading your team? If they, no, if they not necessarily. I, I love Hugh Jackson as an assistant on the Bengals, though. I mean, he's always he's 
he's always done well with the talent that they've had, and and the players that are that are around him have tended to like him a lot. Okay, fair enough. But like, if you fire Marvin midseason, you gotta have somebody else be the interim head coach. I hope he's not. Let me put it that way. <laughs> okay. But I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't think they're gonna f- fire him during the season, Marvin. I don't see that happening. But I, I hope that after this season, if the Bengals, you know, let's say they they end up losing the last, you know, set five out of the last seven games, he's got to go. I mean, he absolutely must go after this season if that's the case. Um, but but the late slate, we've got the three o'clock games. There's only three of them this week. Uh, Raiders will go to the Cardinals in a game that uh, I don't even think we need to mention. Uh, Broncos on the road to take on the Chargers. The Chargers have an opportunity to really separate themselves uh, from a lot of the wild card teams as you look in the AFC, including the Bengals. Uh, and then Eagles at Saints. That's the one I think in this three o'clock slate that's going to be fun to watch. The Eagles really need a win. Their backs are up against the wall after they. Lost a winnable game a week ago, and the Saints now eight and one have obviously putting a whooping on the Bengals. They're eight point favorites at home here against the Eagles. Do you think Carson Wentz can do enough against this Saints team? Obviously, that secondary is not great in New Orleans, but their defensive front there. I mean, I think they're still number one in the league against the run. So uh, the Saints team has an opportunity here to to really you know place that stake for potentially the number one seed in the NFC here as we look toward the end of the season. Yeah, this is one of those games that could potentially be a a trap game uh, for the Saints coming up big win last week. But I think they know how important this one is. It's a a veteran team. I don't think Drew Brees is going to come in for a letdown. Uh, But this, you mentioned it, this Eagles team falls to four and six. Probably no chance for a, a playoff berth, which I don't think anybody expected that coming off a Super Bowl win last year to, to be out of the playoffs by, you know, uh, you know, November, end of November, not even, you know, middle of November. Uh, so that would be, that would, would definitely be a shocker to all our systems. But uh, no, this, this Saints team is just hitting on all cylinders. Uh, Drew Brees still just cannot be stopped. And uh, I mean, I think I know how good that defense is, but I still think Alvin Kamara is, is going to run, uh, I don't think circles, but he, he's going to have still a decent game. I don't think there's any shot of, of really slowing him down. Yeah, their offense can beat you in so many different ways, and it, I really wanted to see how much of an impact Des Bryant could have made. Obviously, he gets hurt with the Achilles. Uh, they bring in Brandon Marshall now. Uh, I don't know how much of an impact he can really make, but with the two running backs they have, with Michael Thomas, I mean, this this team is just so stacked, and it's just going to be difficult for anybody to stop them. Yes, this Eagles defense and their secondary especially are very good, uh, but there's just so many different ways Drew Brees can attack you, uh, and the Saints proved that, obviously, many times this year. So uh, I think that's going to be a fun one to watch. The game here in Chicago on Sunday night is the other one that's going to be fun to watch. Chicago is favored by 2.5 here against the Vikings. This one is for first place in the NFC North, uh, and with an opportunity to separate themselves a little bit, too, from uh, – you know, Green Bay, uh, whoever wins this game, you know, that that's a, a huge step in the right direction. Uh, do you think the Bears can hold home turf? Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be gross. It's going to be ugly. Uh, and it's going to be a fun one. It's a, one of those classic NFC North games. Uh, you're probably going to have some combination of snow and rain and sleet and, and all kinds of ugly stuff. So uh, I think that really favors this, this Bears team with how good this defense is. Uh, and a with how just up and down Minnesota's been all year in in what could potentially be a very like I said very ugly game uh, weather wise you just Kirk Cousins is is just not talented enough I think to go through the rain and, and really beat Chicago's defense at home uh, it, it, they've been unstoppable they're scoring points 
Uh, I think they've had a, a touchdown each of, you know, like two out of the last three games or something. Um, and so the Chicago team is just absolutely rolling defensively. And, and Mitch Trubisky really, really growing into his own. So uh, I think Chicago comes in and wins this. They've, they've been a more consistent team. We keep talking about how they're going to they're gonna fall. You know, national media keeps talking about how the Bears team just isn't as good. Uh, as they as their record claims to be, but they just keep rattling off wins. So until somebody proves them differently, I'm um, gonna keep going with the Bears. I'm gonna actually disagree with you on this one. I think the Vikings are going to expose Mitch Trubisky. I don't think Trubisky is as good as he's been in a few games this year. Uh, I think he's definitely better than Anju, for example, has has given him credit for. I mean, he's proven that in a few of these games, and especially last week, he finally seemed to have developed a connection with Allen Robinson, who had a couple touchdowns and a huge performance a week ago. Uh, But I think that this Bears team, I think their record's a little bit better than they are. I think I know they have a great defense, but the Vikings, you know, people were talking about them having the best defense in the league last year, and I still think the talent is there, and they have the the potential to be that good, and I think they're going to expose Mitch Trubisky. I think Kirk Cousins will do just enough uh, for the Vikings to come away with this one, but I think this is going to be just like you mentioned, one of those games that you remember for being very sloppy, uh, for for it being a defensive struggle, and I think it's going to come down to a field goal. And I just I think the Vikings have enough to get it done, but it's going to be a fun one to watch. I think between that game and the Eagles Saints game, uh, you know that late slate of games is going to be very entertaining. And then obviously the big ones Monday night. We'll talk about that on Monday's show, but the Chiefs and Rams is one that uh, has been kind of touted as the game of the year. So a little tease there. A lot of teams on a bye this week, uh, but uh, that's that's pretty much the Sunday slate. So, Dan, I know there's not really a ton going on in the college football landscape, but I know you're interested in this uh, Notre Dame-Syracuse game at, at Yankee Stadium. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a game that we'll see if, if Syracuse can really even compete. Um, it's... I personally, I know the the jerseys have been much talked about all over the media of Notre Dame wearing uh, the the Yankee pinstripe. I love it. I think it's I think it's a really cool move. I think it's a really cool homage uh, to to playing that game in Yankee Stadium. Uh, but the Syracuse team is is one that could sneak up on you. I mean, I don't think Notre Dame's going to take it lightly just because it is uh, such a prominent game. I mean, Syracuse ranks twelfth in the country right now. Uh, and coming in and, and really trying to pull a big upset. Uh, they're, they're hot. I mean, they've been just absolutely scoring the crap out of the ball the past couple games. They put 54 up on Louisville, 41 on Wake, uh, 51 on NC State. Um, you know, the, their lowest scoring game of the season, uh, they put up 20, uh, 23 against Clemson. So um, this is a team that can, can definitely score points. Uh, and Notre Dame's going to have to watch out for it. I think Notre Dame still wins, but uh, don't be surprised if Syracuse makes this interesting. Yeah, I agree. I think that this has a potential to be an upset, uh, and everybody's talking about Notre Dame being essentially a shoe-in in the college football playoff. I mean, I think Syracuse could be the team that could knock them off. It's going to come down to whether or not Notre Dame's defense, which has been very good this year, can hold that Syracuse offense in check. But Syracuse has a lot of different ways they can beat you. The two games they did lose this year were both very close. They they were right right there with Clemson for a lot of it, and Clemson's obviously one of the two or three best teams in the country as well. Uh, so I think Syracuse could surprise some people. I wouldn't put it past them. This is their highest they've been ranked, and I think it was like 20 years. So uh, it's, it's a fun Syracuse team to watch. There's a lot of offensive firepower, and I think that they could make this game very, very interesting. Uh, not a lot else going on in the college football landscape, but there will be in the weeks to come. Uh, Dan, that's that's getting us pretty close to our time. What do you have for Oh By The Way? So my Oh By The Way, uh, we didn't get to talk really any baseball today, so that'll be it. My tribe, 
a little no bias, seg- zero bias segment here. Tribe uh, gets Jordan Luplo and Max Moroff from the Pittsburgh Pirates. Flips Eric Gonzalez, uh, Tanaj Thomas, and Dante Mendoza to the Pirates. I mean, I think it's a great deal for for both sides. I think the Indians get the better end of this uh, in terms of who the Tribe gave up. I mean, Eric Gonzalez uh, is a very solid utility player. He just didn't have a spot in Cleveland. I mean, there was just nobody on that infield. So he will uh, definitely benefit that uh, that Pirates team. Uh, Tanaj Thomas, pretty young, promising pitching prospect. So a little, uh, you know, a little sad to give him up, but he's super young and he wouldn't see the big big leagues for uh, a while. So um, not a big deal. And I love Jordan Luplo, who the Indians got uh, for from the Pirates. He is a, a guy who can play some corner outfield, especially with the loss of Michael Brantley. Um, and he could really, uh, I mean, I think he has a chance to make the opening day roster. Uh, had a very strong couple of seasons, uh, especially last year in AAA. Um, and, you know, he... 92 uh, ABs in uh, the bigs last year, only hits 185, but uh, I mean, he's, he's a real young kid. uh, And I think he has the chance to really develop. Uh, He he needs to get a little bit bigger. He needs to get a little bit stronger uh, for that power to really show through, but you get a young controllable outfielder uh, in a, in a talented one at that. And one of the better guys in the pirate system for a, essentially for a utility guy that you had really no need for. So, um, I'm excited to see just exactly what he does. I mean, he, uh, past couple of years in, in the minors, he had 287, uh, 325. I, I mean, the kid can, the kid can play. So we'll see uh, what he can do at the big league level. Nice. So from a big acquisition for your tribe to a big departure in Houston, uh, Houston, we have a problem, you might say, <laughs> as Carmelo Anthony, after only 10 games with the Rockets, is going to be released. It sounds like there's a few teams interested, but it's it's just hard to believe that a guy who had had such so much success early on in his career, obviously, we, we, we were just talking about Syracuse football. I mean, Carmelo Anthony won, won a national title as a freshman at Syracuse basketball and then had some really good years in the NBA. And now we're talking about him, you know, getting essentially released by a team that, that signed him in free agency and hoped that he would be an integral part of a team that, you know, made it all the way to the Western Conference Finals last year. Uh, the Rockets win uh, tonight against Golden State and, and really a kind of a rout. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see where Carmelo lands. It sounds like the Lakers and, and the Heat could potentially both be interested among a few other teams. Uh, so it, it, it's just it's going to be weird seeing Carmelo at this point in his career just trying, trying to take on a role as, as a role player. Uh, I don't know that that's necessarily going to be a good fit anywhere. And I think Carmelo is, still has some some juice left in the tank, but I just don't know where he fits in. It's going to be weird uh, wherever it is. So uh, we'll see where Carmelo lands, but. I don't like I said. I just don't think he's gonna he's gonna be an integral part to any successful playoff run. Uh, Dan, anything to add for the good of the group before we let our listeners start their weekend off? Yeah, I hope you guys have a great weekend. Uh, make sure you continue to to share uh, share the show ratings reviews. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter at the Leftovers MWF. We haven't really done the social media shout out in a while, so uh, come check us out. Talk to us. We'd love to hear your feedback. Uh, all is welcome. I love it. Good stuff, Dan. For Dan Bauer, I'm Josh Dunn. We will see you guys on Monday. Enjoy football weekend.